Greetings Only Tans. Today is Friday, February 16th, and yesterday I had a very special guest on the show, Lee Ellis, formerly of NBA TV, the starters, no dunks, and someone who just loves basketball. And his most recent ambition is he's traveling around the world, playing pickup basketball, 20 games in 20 countries. And he has been to some amazing places and has some amazing stories to share. And in this episode, he shares a bunch of those stories about stories about the food that he eats and the uncomfortable situations that he may have found himself in. And we also talk about the NBA, the all-star game that's coming up. Um, we talk about uh, how he became a big NBA fan and just also some life lessons. This is a good like self-improvement episode in a way, actually. I kind of plan on clipping some of this stuff and sharing it with my son when he gets older. Anyway, anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. There's no financial advice in it as far as I know, but recall that nothing you hear in this episode or any other episode should be considered financial advice. And let's jump right into it. I'm very excited today. I have a very special guest today. I'm sure some of you know of him. Um, he has been in on NBA TV, the starters, no dunks, and he is a certified basketball savant. Um, and his most recent ambition, he's playing 20 pickup games in 20 countries. And I think that number is getting even bigger. He's on 19 of 20. I think he's saving the best for last. He's going to Brazil next, as, my, as far as I know. He's filming the whole thing. Uh, he brings the thunder from down under. He's uh, Lee Ellis. Let's bring him in with a little Kawhi laugh. <laughs> wow, that was uh, that's a throw throw back there. I mean, that's uh, pre pan pan times there to have have the Kawhi laugh. So so uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty eating stuff. Thanks for having me. Oh well, I'm very happy that you can be here. Um, so we were working on technical difficulties before the show and Lee, I think you might be back. <laughs> no, it's I hate to say perfectly. It. I, I, I know. Well, chat, chat, help us out. Are you helping? Are you hearing Lee like on a, on an echo where you can hear his voice twice? Let's see. Once the chat lets us know if it's still happening, do you have like, uh, just like an old school headphone with a with a mic on it or anything like that or uh i mean this is the one that i've been using lately but i can maybe just go to the computer or audio uh ah oh, damn he's saying an echo for for sure there um <laughs> any because we used to stream yard at, at no dunks and uh you know like if i can hear you you usually you know that means it's fine fine on your end too but apparently not um, yeah. I guess we'll just give it, just give it or so here. And if it doesn't work, then I might have to go raw dog with the uh, computer or computer or it might be the only <laughs> thing we have here. Yeah. Well, anyway, your audio is pretty crazy right now. So I'm going to let you try to figure it out. Right? I'll, I'll remove you for a couple of minutes and see if you can figure it out. Now. All right. So we're going to remove Lee. Lee, you can see me. Hopefully you can hear me, but uh, technical difficulties galore today. Um, this is the remix. But anyways, we can talk about NBA Top Shot for a minute while Lee tries to figure himself out. Unless he's already ready. Lee, if you can hear me and you think you're ready, give me a wave. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Can right, you I'm here myself. Can hopefully that doesn't, hopefully that doesn't continue. Oh, man. Can you hear me now okay? <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear now you. I can hear, now hear myself. I can hear myself. Oh, man. 
What's going on? <laughs> you, you have headphones? headphones? Well, yeah, I do, but um, I'll plug them in. I'll, I'll see. I'll see if it makes a difference. I hope it does. All right, we're gonna get this figured out. Okay. Okay. How's that? How are we doing now? I hope it's good. I hope I'm not hearing okay. myself now. I don't, I don't think I am. Okay, great. Okay. We did it. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> We've done it. Uh, all right, let's start over again. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'm very, very happy, Lee, that you uh, answered the DM and that you're here. It's very uh, gracious of you and very kind because you are, you're quite a busy person and, um, and you've rubbed a lot of shoulders. You've smelled a lot of cologne. And, <laughs> and I just think, uh, yes, yeah, so I really appreciate that. So there's so many ways we could go with this conversation. Um, I mean, I'm honestly most curious about like the fact that you have videos of yourself shooting threes on the court with stuff. Curry, this is stuff that I didn't even know. I, I, I had to do a little bit of research beforehand and I'm like, wait a second, what? Like every, every video is crazier than the next. It's like, you're living everyone's boyhood dream. Uh, what, what is that like? What is that like? I mean, I think you were, you played like you played with Isaiah Thomas on the court. You played with Steph Curry on the court. When I had Skeets, he was telling me about how you learned about the NBA when you were younger, and it was all about uh, Rolando, what was it again? Rolando Jack, Rolando Blackman. Blackman. Rolando Blackman. Rolando Blackman. Yeah. I'm scrolling down. You're talking to Rolando Blackman, and then you're shooting free throws next to him. Like, what is going on here? Why is it that you <laughs> are able to like make this all happen? You know, it's um, it really, there's no secret sort of, you know, recipe. It's just going out and trying things, you know, and, and really that's all it comes down to is like, I just have ideas and I want to go out there and try to make things happen. And so you ask people and you try to knock on some doors and you try to poke people. And most of the time you get rejected or you get ignored or people just say flat out no. But for every nine or 10 of those no's rejections that you get, that one yes is always worth it. And so that's the sort of philosophy that I've sort of approached my life with, you know, recently is like, just keep on trying, keep on asking. If you've got an idea, see if you can bring it to fruition, but don't get down on yourself if things don't go perfectly to plan from day one. I, I, uh, I use an analogy like you're building a house, right? Now, when you build a house, now my houses are a bit different these days, but back in the day, you use bricks, of course, bricks and mortar to build the house. Now, one brick individually doesn't stand out from the other bricks, but together, collectively, they can build a beautiful house, you know? And also what happens is, you know, when you build a house, like there's no point the interior designer coming on day one, you've got to lay the foundation first, you've got to put the structure in place, you've got to build things, it takes time, there's a process to it. There's a reason why things happen at, at certain times, you can't put the roof on until you've got the structure ready. And so those sorts of that sort of analogy is what I use for, for what I'm doing now is where I'm trying to build this series into like a docu-series that it gets on Netflix or somewhere like that. But you can't skip steps, you've got to go through building the content, learning, and just trying new things. And so the more that you try, the more that I find people actually then say, hey, I've got an idea. Do you want to do this? Do you want to help me be a part of this? Do you want to come here and play this game? And so, you know, it's sort of it's one of those like a bit of a snowball effect, like one sort of thing leads to another. And if you can make it happen, you try something else. And, and it just sort of goes from there. And you always just got to be rolling on your camera because, uh, you know, it's hard in the moment to know exactly what the story and what the content is going to be but if you're rolling on it you capture it all then you get back home 
and then you look at it and you go okay what have i got here and then what what's the story it's a it's a little bit like uh someone i was talking to the other day said it's a little bit like curb your enthusiasm with larry david where he has an overall sort of idea of what the story is but he doesn't script it to the point where it's like you say this and then i'll say this it's like let that natural interaction happen and we'll see how funny it is. And most of the time that that natural reaction and the natural conversation is way funnier than anything you could script. And so that's kind of where I am right now. Like I didn't script the stuff with Rolando Blackman and Steph Curry. I just had an idea or I asked someone, someone said, okay, you can do this. And then it's like, okay, I'll just go and see what I can make happen. And then you get back and then you look through and you're like, I start writing down a few things. And then I look at the video and I see if that works. And then I sort of, you know, slap it all together and uh and you come up with some stories and then if you have one that does well it gives you that confidence to try something else to try something new and then you know sort of one thing leads to the other so it's really you know it's sort of uh it's almost like make it up as you go along but there is also a bit of a substance behind it because it's like just film everything when you when i'm on one of my content sort of missions i try to film everything not worry about the story in the moment and then when i get back i start looking through what i've got and uh and the stories kind of come to life well, that, that means you're a pretty talented editor then because I've found when I've done that kind of approach, sometimes I get overwhelmed. There's so much content and it's like, oh my God, I wish I thought ahead of time a little bit more before I just filmed everything. So, But if, if that works for you, then kudos. That's great. Um, how, has, how has the process gone? Because when you're doing this and you have sort of, you're staying positive, you have these ambitions what have been the, the difficult times and also what what have what has organically happened that you've learned from during this process? Well, most of the videos that I've put together that have done well have not been planned. And so it, it's it, again, like what you were saying just there as a moment ago, you know, you kind of get a little bit overwhelmed. Well, you know, I I try to look at what the story is afterwards. And when I when I get back and sort through it, because it's all in the storytelling. You know, you realize sometimes when you put a feature together, some people just want to hear the story and others want to see the pictures. If you can sort of find a way to blend them, that's when people can relate and resonate with them. And, and that that's kind of what I've learned. Like I went into this, uh, you know, just over a year ago thinking, you know, OK, I want to have these big 15 minute features on every city. I want to tell the stories. I want to tell the tales. But that to me is overwhelming because to try to put together a 15 minute feature is just a gigantic undertaking. So instead, I've decided, OK, I can build an audience by doing minute to minute and a half long features. And then if I'm able to attract an investor or someone like, a, you know, a, a production company, they can come and help blow out the series a little bit more and make it a little bit bigger. But I'm not going to get to that point unless I've got people really uh you know following along and investing in a in a in a consuming sense to what i'm doing so there, there's frustrations and the setbacks and there's disappointments but again it's how you react to those i think which is really important and for me the days where things go wrong and you just think like like you said sometimes i shot something and i'm like oh just two more seconds and that would have been the perfect clip or you know there was a uh there was one game i won't say which one it was i hit this incredible basket step back crossover knocked it in no one recorded it and i was just like <laughs> I had like four cameras going that day, four different people shooting. And I'm like, how can no one have captured that? You know, so those are the sorts of things that you you get upset about. But again, the, the thing is, I, I just realized what I'm doing right now. There's no like I'm not following any sort of template. It's like it's my idea. I'm trying to make it happen the best way I can. 
And the only way to really take that approach is to embrace everything that comes along. Again, all those all those setbacks, all those little obstacles, it's like, okay, you can't expect things to go smoothly when you don't really you're not really following a path. You're hacking your way through the jungle. You've just got to keep on going. So it's very energizing though to wake up every morning and just be like, right. I've got to, I'm going to find something today and I go through my footage and I go through what I've got and I remember some stories and I'm like, okay, I think I think there's some pieces of the puzzle coming together here. And then you put something together and you're like, wow, I just I just kind of created that out of something else that I shot. I didn't know what it was at the time. It might have been shot a year or longer ago, but it comes to fruition. And, and the Steph Curry one, the recent one, you know, he was in Atlanta and that's where I live. And uh, he had the 60 point game against the Hawks. And, you know, incredible game, 10 three-pointers. They lost, uh, you know, in overtime. And I'm like, man, most of the time players, if they lose, are not in the mood to sort of chat too much after the game. But I had, a you know, somewhat of a relationship with Steph. And after the game, I was outside the Warriors locker room and I saw the PR man and I know Ray, he's a fantastic guy. And, you know, Ray, but Ray's also, he knows me. And, and I sort of said, is there any chance I can just maybe pitch a question or two to Steph? And he's like... We'll see. We'll see. You know, like, so, so I was just sort of there. Steph came out and I was just sort of, I sort of looked at Ray. He looked at me and it was like, okay, so it's if, can I just ask you some things about uh, this three point shootout with Sabrina? And so I got those questions in. I put that video together and then that led to the older video that I'd done with him where I'd shot in the past where it's like, oh, okay. So that story is, yeah, you know, I can, I can weave that story in there. So, um, you know, those are the things that, that come together really just from being in the right place at the right time and just, you know, trying. Like if the, if the Warriors PR man had said to me, Lee, not tonight, it's not happening. I would have said, fine, no worries. But I know that I would rather be in that position where he says no than sort of like, well, I'm not even going to try because because who knows? And the very uh, very similar thing happened with Nikola Jokic and uh, Luka Doncic and Kevin Durant. I mean, you know, the biggest names in our league just kind of like, you know, read the room a little bit, see how these guys are, and then if you get a chance, bang, one or two questions and get out, and that can be enough to create a feature. And so... Uh, you know, that, that's kind of what my approach has been, you know, in these recent times where I haven't been traveling is like, I can still talk to these guys about things that are related to what I'm doing as far as international basketball. And, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's a fun experience. And, and um, uh, oh, it was LeBron. LeBron was here. The Lakers were here a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, I'm going to ask LeBron something about the Olympics because he said he's going to play in Paris. And uh, again, the Lakers lost. They'd lost the night before in Memphis or somewhere like that. And, uh, and he was there and he was in a pissy mood and I'm like, oh, he's not going to want to talk. And anyway, I had the camera there. I was ready. I said, hey, LeBron, can I? And he said, no, I'm done. I'm done. And he walked off and I was like, hey, that's fine. That's fine, man. I got four out of five really big names. I can live with, uh, you know, taking that one loss there. But again, just just being there, being ready to go. That's all. It, that's sort of the best approach in life is just just be ready to go in case it happens. And if it doesn't, don't take it personally and don't get down on yourself hey, you gave it a shot and that's all you can do sometimes. Absolutely, that's good advice. And, and for you to be at the, at the, at the room where the, where the players are in the, in the locker room, is that because you have like the NBA TV credentials still or, or what do you, how do you get down there? 
no no it's not it's i mean i'm now you know completely independent and uh i just emailed the hawks i know them from the nba tv days but i just said hey listen i'm going to be doing some features is there any chance i can get a, a media pass and they said sure you know and so i go down there and and uh you know and i do what i can and uh, but you know I, again i'm not going down there as a fan i'm going down you know, as a media person and in my role, and then I'm, you know, producing that content. So I'm sure. not just sort of, um, I'm not just sort of turning up to the game and then leaving. I'm trying to make things uh, happen. And, and again, that's all it comes down to is fire off that email, you know, and uh, if you, and trust me, there's been, not with the Hawks, they're a fantastic uh, organization. John Steinberg does an incredible job, but other organizations I've emailed and they just don't reply and that's fine. I mean, it's like, okay, that's fine. I can, I can live with it. You know, you just have to, uh, like I say, you just have to keep on firing away and, um, you know, you're not going to get everything, but you're certainly not going to get everything if you don't ask for anything. I almost feel like that could, it almost, it doesn't really feel quite correlated to what you're producing in a way, but, but there's something there too. I think like that's almost some, uh, like self-improvement angle of just like the struggle and the drama of just trying to achieve and trying to create, there's almost a story within a story. Like you're trying to get this series um bought or or approved by let's say a netflix that yeah. in itself is a story that that in itself is kind of interesting well it's ambitious isn't it i mean you know like to just say my goal is to get on netflix you know but i another analogy i make i've got i've got all these uh, philosophies now but you know if someone says to you like hey i'm going to climb mount everest and and, and they say uh, you know you wouldn't think they would go my first mountain i'm going to climb is mount everest as well you would think okay you have to go and climb smaller mountains you have to learn what it takes to hike up big mountains, the equipment you need, the preparation, how you prepare your body, how you prepare your mind, all those sorts of things. And so that's where I am now. Like I, I don't realistically think, certainly not a year ago, that I could have gone to Netflix and say, hey, I've got a show. But where I am now, I think I'm starting to show a little bit more of like proof of concept where it's like, look, these are the ideas. This is where I've been. This is who I've spoken to. This is what I'm trying to get to. Now, if someone can see the vision, then it becomes easier to sell. But if it's just an idea with no actual work behind it, then it's harder for anybody to actually understand what it is you're doing. So, you know, but again, all, all that, like, you know, the famous Kobe quote, like you've got to fall in love with the process. And that really is where I am. Like right now I'm enjoying this challenge. It's, I call it my Everest because it's like, this is the biggest challenge I've ever taken on in my life. And if it doesn't work out, if I don't get to Netflix, I'm not going to sit home and cry and go, oh my God, I can't believe I'm a failure. I'll say, hey man, I gave it, I gave it everything. You know, I, I put everything into it. I could, I tried everything. I emailed everybody. I've, I've, um, I've asked for all sorts of things and I've tried to produce it. And afterwards it's like some, some things just don't work out, but you can't be afraid or you can't equate that to not worth the try. You know, the word failure, people often add that as a negative connotation. It's like, well, you failed. It's like, well, Again, failing through trying doesn't mean it's wrong or, or it was the bad thing. I mean, the only real failure is not trying, you know? And so I, I know that if I try, I might not get there, but I might. But if I don't try, then there's no chance. No one's gonna knock on the door and say, hey, got any ideas? We've got, we've got uh, $5 million we wanna throw into, uh, <laughs> into some ideas. If you've got any, let us know. Instead, you wanna get to that point where Netflix is like, oh, see what this guy's doing i wonder if there's something we can you know we can get you know make this into from here and um you know that that to me is what's appealing is i want to get to the point where i don't have to pitch people instead they try to pitch me 
Absolutely. That'd be great. And when you think about like how you pitch the show, um, I was thinking about it too. And I, and I was thinking to myself, man, with all this, all the stuff that Netflix publishes, some of the rubbish, some of the people like (laughs) falling in love in a bathroom without seeing who you're falling in love with or whatever the, whatever they're doing these days. I was thinking to myself, you know what Lee needs? He needs, she needs like that drama, you know, that like fabricated drama. And I I was wondering like, how do you fabricate drama on a, on a docu-series about playing pickup basketball across the world? Cause I, I know you said, I know you shared one story and, I don't want you to like rehash every story like you're doing the talk show circuit, but I know that you, um, I know that you had like one dramatic moment where you were with uh, Luka Doncic's dad and some like uh, dude came up on you and gave you spooked you. But like, yeah. what what other? Can you imagine what other drama you could create or manufacture to yeah. really create that that those cliffhangers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the thing is. Um you always need somebody with you just to be rolling on on things so you can capture those moments. And it might even be the mundane things like being stuck in an airport at three o'clock in the morning, like when I was supposed to go to Manila. And I got to the airport and it was, you know, one o'clock in the morning, the flight was leaving to Seoul via Atlanta or from Atlanta. And we get there and they say, there's a typhoon, we're not going to Seoul. And I'm just like, oh, damn. I mean, like, this is not like going from Atlanta to New York where there's a million other flights. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm going to miss the whole trip to Manila and then miss the one to Tokyo as well. So I came home after I'd said goodbye to my wife and kids. And then all of a sudden you turn back up and you're like, ah, this is, you know, when you say goodbye, you've got to go. You, you know, you can't, you can't come back. And they're like, well, where were you? I thought you were going and you're not going anymore. Anyway, so the next day I just happened to make a call to Korean Air because I noticed they had a flight and I said, can I get on that one? And they said, uh, sure. And I thought, but isn't there a typhoon? And they said, oh, that's passed. And I'm like, Oh, so what they cancelled the they cancelled the flight when if we just waited a couple of hours we might have missed it anyway anyway so i i, I flew in there uh to uh seoul and then i went on to manila but my bags didn't make it and so all i had was like one spare pair of underwear and socks in my carry-on bag the luggage turned up the day i left manila and then there was this whole thing getting all my luggage back from uh from manila it took like it took it spent longer in the Philippines than I did my luggage. And it was, you know, all these things. I mean, these aren't necessarily drama uh, things, but there's certainly been some moments where, you know, it's, 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 you know, you just, you're in a place where you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And again, if someone's shooting that, they can really capture it. But when you're by yourself or you're with some people you don't know, you sort of tend to not put your phone out. Instead, you're sort of like, I'm just going to see what happens here. And uh, right. I mean, in, in Kenya, for example, you know, when I was in the Masai Mara there, uh, the, the elephant that came out onto the road and just stopped dead and stared at the at the van. And I was just like, uh, what's happening here? You know, and then fortunately it left. And then later on, we were driving and uh, it was just me and the driver. And he said, we, we saw some lions and they would, they just had a big feed and uh, they were sort of sleeping it off. And he said, you just don't want to spook them when they've had a feed because they're, you know, that's when they're like resting. And we were driving along and we just went down a ditch and the car just went bang and this loud thing. And this female lioness looked up and I was just like, uh, what are we doing here? You know? <laughs> so, you know, there's been, there's been a couple of moments there that have been a little bit scary. I mean, in Zambia as well at the Victoria Falls there, you know, I'm dangling over the Vic Falls. These two big men are holding onto my ankles. But you're sort of like when my wife saw that before I told her what happened. She was like, uh, just want to be a little bit careful while you're out there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's been a few moments like that. But again, I think if I have the proper team around me, 
I think you're going to see a lot more of those. And uh, and you're right, people love drama. People love things going wrong, and there's been plenty of that along the way. It's just uh, not been captured as uh, as it could be in, in in you know told into stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can already imagine. I can already imagine the cuts. I can already imagine the the lion's face, and you're in there looking at the lion, and we cut to the credits. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. I gotta see you what know, happens yeah, next. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's great. Um, what else? I mean, the you, you crazy crazy trips that you've been on right now, and crazy food that you've eaten. Some so I have a friend Dave who is very familiar with your body of work. Let's say, um, right. and he he had a question, which is that you are known for following a very like regimented diet. You're big on your beef, your bananas, and your broccoli. That's what he told me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so are you following this diet on the road? Uh, so there's that that question. Are you able yeah. to follow your diet on the road? And then I have a follow up question. Well, so the beef the beef is a few years ago because I've I've largely cut red meat out of my diet. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm sort of I'm a part time vegetarian. I'm a Monday to Friday vegetarian. Oh, wow. uh, so I so I try to eat only vegetables um, during Monday to Friday, and then and then on the weekends I'll have uh, you know a piece of chicken or maybe some steak. But I've I've sort of cut it out, and I think part of the reason was I ate so much of it. And then I stopped eating it for a while. And then when I started eating it again, it was almost like, oh, I just, just felt really heavy having so much steak in me. But when I travel, I think one of the most important things you can do is to dine on local food, whatever that is, you know? And so when I am away, if I'm in a place and they say, hey, you've got to eat this, like in Kenya, it was like, you've got to try the crocodile. I'm like, yep, let's eat crocodile, you know? So I will definitely try that because the last thing I want to do is go to a country I've never been to before and just eat, you know, hot dogs or pizza or something like that. I, I really want to try the local food. And so um, it's great, but it, uh, you've also got to take the little tum-tums with you because uh, if it's something yeah. your body's not used to, it might uh, it might upset the, the uh, digestion system. But, uh, but I do try to eat, yeah, I eat a ton of bananas and I drink plenty of water and that, and I think that sort of hydration helps, uh, you know, playing the games, you know, really, because... I'm fortunate that I don't really I don't really cramp up or anything like that, and uh, I think it's largely to due to the uh, hydration and potassium that I uh, that I take. And then um, yeah, I mean when I was in Manila, the, the thing I said to the guys out there, I said, "Do you take me to the most Filipino style restaurant with any only local food? I don't even care what's in it. Just let me have traditional dishes." And uh, and they took me out, and it was it was great. And because to me as well, when you go to a restaurant, especially when you're in a different country and you're meeting people. It's not a meal. It's 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 almost ceremonial. You know, it's almost like okay, this is what we eat, and then we eat this, and then we drink this, and we have this, and and you feel so much more embedded in that culture of that place because it's like you're getting to experience what I believe. You know, the the basis of travel is is like local experiences. You know, it, like of course, staying at the Four Seasons Hotel is always nice because it's top end and there's great food and there's a big bedroom and all that. But I would much prefer like in Iceland. Uh, the person who I was staying with there, he said, um, he said, uh, my mum and dad are out. You can stay at their house if you want in Reykjavik. And I was like, yeah, that's way better than going to a hotel because you're going into somebody's home, you know. And so that to me is a, is a really much more of a welcoming feeling where you feel more like a guest rather than a tourist. And so that to me extends to food and drinks and, you know, visiting places. In Mexico City, I was eating uh, I was eating grasshoppers with my friend uh, Rodrigo. He said, "Hey, it's a it's a uh, it's a snack out here," and I'm like, "Give me some grasshoppers, I'll eat them." 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, people often, when I tell that story, they, they sort of think you're picking it off the ground and you're just throwing it into your mouth. But these are being cooked and sautéed and they've got a bit of spice and things like that. To, it's like any crunchy potato chips. And the other thing, when you know how unhealthy a lot of snacks are anyway, you know, with salts and fats and things like that, eating a grasshopper is not that bad, to be honest. So, uh, you know, I... Wherever I go, the instruction I always have to the sort of connection I have in the city is like, take me to take me where the locals eat, and uh, that that's what I want to experience. And I just feel, I just feel it's so much more of an enriching experience where you come away from it going, I've never had that meal before, I've never eaten that way before, but now I have, I have another experience to take away from it. I totally agree with you. Uh, my favorite part of traveling is probably eating. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, we I, we actually did a day trip the other. So I live in Portugal. We did a day trip, or we were in the south, and we went did a day trip to Sevilla, and they have those those churros with the chocolate. They melt yeah. the chocolate to eat the churros. Oh man, so good. My wife's like, oh, let's go to the cathedral. I'm like, all right, I guess for, but that's really not what I'm here for. I'm here for the food. Let me eat. Is your um, wife Portuguese? She's actually Brazilian, so she oh. has the language. Oh. Um, and we, she has some cousins out here, and I, I speak some Portuguese. So, oh, nice. and I know that you were in Lisbon, and I actually didn't know you were here when you were here. Yeah. But when I was doing my recon, I saw that you were here. Yeah. Um, oh man, loved Lisbon. I, that was the first time I've been there, and it was ah, uh, oh, beautiful, so colorful. You know, just incredible. Mm -hmm. Was there? Are there any countries that? Uh, that you, well, sort of a stupid question, but like I said, like, are there any, this, this is actually related to a show I used to watch called Flight of the Concords, which is, are oh, there yeah. any countries that you don't want to visit and why is New Zealand at the top of that list? <laughs> no, New Zealand, New Zealand's <laughs> actually very high on the list of places I want to go to. I mean, the only places I wouldn't go for, for obvious reasons are, you know, Ukraine, Russia, Israel, places like that, where the tone is just obviously not right. Now, I've been yeah. to Russia and I have to say Moscow and St. Petersburg, two of the most amazing cities I've ever been to. The people were incredible. The food was mind-blowingly good. The architecture, the city, everything about it. So you can, you can separate the country and the people from the government and realize that these, any country's got an amazing culture to it and amazing stories to tell. So it's not that I would never go there. I, I would obviously go back, but I think for what I'm doing, you know, you don't want to be going, oh, here I am in, you know, Moscow playing, bar, you know, or, or, or Tel Aviv or somewhere like that. It's just right now there are thing, places you need to avoid. Uh, but at some point, you know, as the, you know, situations improve, uh, you know, hopefully I can go and play there because I, I find, again, that uh, my time in Red Square there in Moscow, I, I was... I was just blown away at how amazing it was. It really felt like you were going back in time in some ways. But then the architecture of the subways in Moscow is amazing, just incredible mm. stuff. So, you know, I think that's what's really important about, and you know as well, obviously you're married to a Brazilian girl, you're living in Portugal. So you know what it's like that, that people have prejudices and they have sort of um, assumptions about countries and cities. But once you get there and experience it for yourself, you realize, most people are decent people. Most people yeah. are good people and they're welcoming and they're like, hey man, we just want to have a good life as well. We want to work and have a family and be, have friends and eat good food and stuff like that. There's always a couple of you know, people who aren't like that. And that's everywhere, Australia, Canada, America, England, everywhere I've lived, I've encountered the bad people as well. But for the most part, the experiences I've had 
have been you know welcoming and and, and with fun people and that's what keeps you going if, if you'd sort of take that you know that generalization which some countries have which in fact every country has a generalization and again i'm sure as an american abroad you 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 feel that as well at times that's just not true you know there are parts mm -hmm. of it that that have related to people who have traveled but again that's everyone everyone's faced and met that person that they're like that that person's a complete joke and, and it really doesn't represent my country well but i've also had some amazing times i i uh, when i was living in london i used to know some pilots who flew for united airlines i worked at a hotel where they stayed i went out had a great time with those guys you know and these guys were all much older at that stage of life but the point being most people again can get along and have a beer and have a good time no no one's gonna like well i refuse to drink with that person because they're from this country there might be that one or two people from that country that you don't want to drink with but for the most part it's like hey man let's just have a drink and have some fun and uh and get to know each other and, and that that sort of understanding of, of different cultures i think is what brings us closer together anyway absolutely i agree that, that kind of reminds me too when when i was younger i would do something called couch surfing i don't know if you ever heard oh, of that. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah you don't you definitely get to know a place very well when you're sleeping on someone's couch um <laughs> yeah but, i used uh, to stay in hostels all the time and uh you know you you would stay in a room with like 12 strangers from you li you wouldn't have any idea where they're from and you'd put your passport and your wallet under your pillow uh, you know, and then you go out for a day with a credit card and a couple of bucks of in your wallet and you come back and your passport's still there. And it's like amazing. You know, you, yeah. I just when I think about that now as a father, I'm like, I, I just can't imagine <laughs> going to a place. Yeah, boys, give me your passport. Bang, under the pillow. Let's go. You know? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Things definitely change. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I got a couple of videos to play, a couple of pla sure. palate cleansers. First of all, we got someone on Twitch, so we got to play the Twitch guy drop. Here we go. Twitch guy! All right, there's the Twitch guy drop. And we also have a video for you, Lee, because when I had Skeets on here, he, he told me that I had to play this video for you. So here we okay. go. Play All right, we're back. Holy crap. Who was that guy jumping? What was that clip? Oh, that was me. I was in Brazil. Wow, uh, you looked like Lee Ellis, the guy I do the show with there. Can you play really? that again? All right, let's play it again. Wow, the, 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 like the... <laughs> hey, that's true. I, I I was looking at that and I'm thinking like, is that me? Did I do that somewhere? <laughs> I mean, the hairstyle, the same sort of size and shape. And I'm like, geez, wow. Whereabouts yeah. in Brazil was that? So that was at the San Francisco River. Um, right. And that, that's the second largest, I think the second largest body of water in Brazil. Very right. beautiful place, very hot place. Yeah, I actually was getting COVID around that time without knowing it. So I was very, <laughs> I was blissfully unaware in that photo. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those are good times. Yeah. Um, anyway, so let, let's get back to the basketball. I have some more, I have some more questions here. Yeah. One is, what are some unwritten rules of playing pickup basketball? And do you have any pet peeves when playing pickup basketball? I could tell you mine, which is two things. One guarding the very sweaty guy and he, lo yeah. he loves posting up <laughs> that's just the worst and yeah. also like when it's kind of casual and you somehow just attracted the guy who loves playing super hard defense 
what are what are your pet peeves yeah. about playing pickup basketball? Well, de- definitely, I will say the sweaty guy. I I hate when you just your 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 forearm touches the guy and it's just like <laughs> you're just covered. Um, you know that that part of it for me is um, you know that that's probably the worst. I mean. The other pet peeve, I think, and, and this is what happens, and I'd actually I'd be interested to hear if you play in Europe to, to know what your uh, take from this is, because I find in Europe there's so much more three-on-three basketball, which I think is actually a better format for pickup basketball. I think it's better because it keeps people involved. And yeah. my pet peeve is when I play five-on-five here in America, so many times it's just one-on-one with actually four guys standing around and one guy will score and then the other guy wants to go and get him back and then so often when i've played here i've come you know after being in europe i come and it's like one pass max and then someone's shooting away and it's just like can we just get a little bit of ball movement can we get the ball just you know two or three passes at least here but that doesn't happen so that's one thing that i i didn't know until i started traveling like this where i'm like three on three should be the way it is here as well for pickup basketball mm-hmm. just so that more people can can be involved in the game and even if you have 10 players right or or 12 or whatever if you play three on three half court more people can play and more people can be involved in the game whereas sometimes when you play five on five full court and let's say it's up to seven that last basket often takes 10 minutes because it's like someone calls a foul someone says they traveled someone does the you know whatever and it's like guys just end the game will you you know so you know it can drag on and on and on so three on three a lot quicker you're involved on defense you're involved on offense i just feel it's a more um it's a more fun way to play street basketball than than trying to play full court fives i agree i mean i don't play that often but when i have played out here it's been five on five actually and oh, really? i can and yeah, I, um, my friend who plays out, he plays these games as well at full court, five on five. But I would totally echo what you're saying, which is often you're just kind of running around. You're just getting yeah. exercise, running exercise. You're not, you know, you're playing like Tony Snell. I think that was Tony Snell. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what uh, Worldwide Wob didn't. I think it was him who tweeted at first. He had an all cardio, uh, <laughs> all cardio game or something like that exactly yeah um, 20 28 minutes and not a single like uh, statistical achievement yeah so sometimes i feel that way but anyways yeah. we've got a little sticker here so thank you jump shoot uh what we do here we say ice cream so good yes yes so yummy thank you jump shoot appreciate that all right well let's keep it going here we act we so we asked you about your pet peeves um and what about drama on the court Sometimes you play on the court and people start getting each other's faces and yeah. you, you almost have fisticuffs. So has that happened during your travels? No, it hasn't actually. And that, that's, I think, a part of the way that I, I mean, I don't want to take you know full credit for this, but I always say, listen, listen, we're here to play and have fun. Okay, so let's just go out there and play. And so I always try as best I can to invite girls to come along and play and even, you know, kids, because I want then everybody to understand it's not about winning or losing it's we're just playing to have fun to bond to get to know each other to you know this is part of the the experience and then i always have prizes to give away as well like jerseys or t-shirts or, or pair of shoes or a pair of uh, airline tickets as was the case in iceland oh wow and and that you know so that to me is ideally what you're trying to build is that like understanding that there's no one's keeping score i mean you you, you know you might keep score in the sense for each game and then someone else comes on but in Belgrade, in Serbia, I played for about two hours on the court with these guys, and we were just going like 
up and back and up and back and no one after a while people just stopped caring about scoring because it's like let's just play have fun and compete and you know it's still competitive but it's not like man i got i gotta take it to this guy i gotta beat this guy you can have so much fun by just playing when you're not really worried about who's winning or losing and if you want to have a little break you have a break and then when you're ready to come back on you come back on so i fortunately haven't had anyone uh, i haven't had to separate anyone or anything like that it hasn't gotten to that point it probably will at some point you know because it's just the way it goes um but that that to me is what i'm also trying to promote that uh you know there's no there's no scoreboard at the end of the day everybody who comes out to play even if you don't play you can still get a chance to win one of the one of the jerseys or one of the t-shirts that i've got and so sometimes i feel that 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 energy that i put out there people go oh yeah okay we're, we're not here to try to make it into the nba we're just here to have some fun sure so, so you never see let's see is that sharing you never see any <laughs> yeah. of this yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you saw yeah. this but what is yeah, going on I here did. Yeah, well, Draymond, I mean, I, I respect Draymond for what he's done as a player. But at, at the same time, it's like he, he's not learning his lessons. He's been suspended twice this season. You know, he was lucky. I mean, he got into it last night with uh, Isaiah Stewart, I believe it was. Uh, no, that must have been a couple of nights ago, actually. But, you know, it's it's like... He's he's sort of getting to the point where he's not as effective as he was in those prime Warriors championship days. So now he's almost like that angry old man who's just trying to, uh, you know, trying to stay relevant. But but doing that, you know, the four rings like that, when it's like you're, you're probably going to miss the playoffs this year. Like you, <laughs> it's fine. We know you won four championships. It's great. You, you, he's a Hall of Famer. He's you know probably going to get his jersey retired there from the Warriors. He just doesn't need to do that. But what what I, do you I, make again, what do you make of that hand movement? What what was that? Was that was that him shanking you? Was that like a sexual well, he, innuendo? What was that? I think he's showing the four, isn't he? I think for but the But after four that, look look after oh. the after the four, he does this. Look, he does this. Four. Boom! What was that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows? Again, he's sort of he's almost doing it where he doesn't <laughs> doesn't want them to notice as well. It's, it's just it's just weird, but. You know, oh, Draymond's that guy, you know, like I say, he's a great player, but he's it's still so easy to get under his skin. And uh, with all he's gone through, with all the success he's had, he should be just laughing at people when they try to upset him. You know, just like you're not gonna, you're not going to, you know, get me sucked in to get another fine or a suspension or to to do anything because it feels that even with that last suspension, which I think was twelve games, you know, he's come back and it's like, yeah, you, listen, just poke him and he'll react. I mean, like, if it's a young player, you understand. It's like, yeah, young players are still going to learn. But when you've achieved all he's achieved, at this point, he should be just going, listen, man, I, I got more important things to worry about, just trying to get us into the playing tournament. Now, now, now he's like, somehow he's made himself must-see TV with, for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like, I think, I think last night, I, I don't have that clip ready, but he, he goes up for a rebound. He gets, like, knocked in the head. He literally lies on the ground yeah. for, like, for, like, two possessions. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone, and, everyone gives him a pass, though. He's, yeah. he's literally the Donald Trump of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he can do anything, and, yeah. and he'll, he'll still end up there next year your friends in Atlanta, by the way, I didn't ask you anything about that, but he'll be sitting right in between Ernie and Chuck in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. He can do anything. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right about that. I'm sure when the Warriors, because they, they, they may miss the play-in tournament altogether, um, and Draymond will be on the, on, the, uh, on the TV there. So 
you know, and, and the thing is, he's actually not a bad analyst. Like, I like the way that he does analyze games. You know, he, he says things and he shows you things and he draws up those uh, diagrams on the screen, which is good. It's just, that's what I mean to me. His maturity has grown in, in some parts of his life and his, and his world. But then there's other things. I'm like, how are you still getting sucked into that sort of stuff, you know? Because I know myself as now, you know, as a, as a little bit older in life, you, you think, oh, man, the things that used to bug me when I was 20, now you're just like, there's no way those things are going to bring out the same reaction they might have brought out of you when you're, uh, you know, when you're that age because you don't have that life experience. But he has that life experience. He has that basketball credibility now where, like I say, he's a Hall of Famer. His jersey's probably retired. He might even get a statue, who knows, for the, from the Warriors there. But it's also like, God, he's, he's still so easy, though, to provoke and to get a, uh, a response out of. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, well, moving right along. I know that you're a big EuroLeague fan. So for what, what should the people know in the chat? So I, for example, I started looking today. I started doing a little research. I saw that there's a couple of juggernauts in the EuroLeague. It's like the Real Madrid. Um, Shane Larkin is like an absolute beast. He was like on the Celtics some years ago. Mike Jones, the top scorer. What else should people know about the Euro League who are who who might want to know more about it since you are yeah, such a fan? Yeah, well it, it's a great question because you know, if you were to compare the standard between the Euro League and the NBA, I mean the NBA is by far the most talented league in the world. You know, there's it's not even close to that. And those players you mentioned, Shane Larkin, I mean, those guys would prefer to be in the NBA if they still could, but they were sort of fringe players whereas they become star players in EuroLeague. So the standard is not the same, but it's more about the experience as a fan and as a spectator, which really stood out to me. I've been to games in Lithuania, Istanbul and Belgrade. I'm hoping to go to Athens here too soon to go to experience a derby there. And that's what it's about. Like, I've been to so many NBA games throughout my life living here in Atlanta and in Toronto and through other cities. And sometimes I've had some incredible games. I've been to incredible games, but I've been to more where you're kind of like, there's just not much energy. There's not much vibe in the in the crowd. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really feel like that. But whereas in Belgrade, and now no, I did go to a Red Star versus Partisan game, so the biggest possible derby in Europe, and it was the most intense environment I have ever felt in a basketball sense because every basket, every possession, the crowd was hanging on by the thread, as if like, oh my god, this is the key possession for the game here, and. Over an hour before the game, the fans were singing and chanting and taunting each other and trying to, you know, like get people involved. And, and that was that was what was amazing about it. But also in the NBA, one of the biggest criticisms I've, I've had is there's far too many meaningless games. I mean, there's far too many games, which leads to the meaningless games, whereas in Europe in the Euro League, every game matters and every game is really really important so you know when every every game matters and every possession matters within that game the players are trying and they're diving on the ball and they're fighting and scrapping over everything you, of course you get a couple of blowouts that's that happens but i think you have fewer of those because there's so much more um the, the stakes for each game are so much higher whereas in the nba there are so many games throughout the season that are just like it, it, our team could lose 10 games in a row and it, they could still be in now with the play-in tournament. They could still make it into the playoffs and things like that. And so that's where the difference is, that the NBA is like, it's almost like gluttony where there's way too many games. And when you have too many games, players, and we've seen this in the last few years and probably back over a decade now, players just look at a couple of games and they're like, not tonight, I'm not playing. And so 
like with anything, I mean, I saw Coldplay, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen here, not long ago in Atlanta. Now, if Chris Martin just decides one night, nah, I'm not, I'm not into it tonight. <laughs> well, no one's, no one in the, no one in the audience is going to go. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have a great time anyway. I mean, the entertainer, the reason you pay the money has to give you everything back, and if they don't, then how can the fans walk away? with an incredible experience and and in europe i feel that now again i've probably been lucky because every game i've been to has been incredible but i feel that my time here in atlanta there's been so many games that i've been to over the years here where i'm just like man the crowd turns up halfway through the second quarter they you know they leave at half time and go and have a drink get something to eat they come back in the third quarter and then they leave you know halfway through the fourth um so it's not that same like oh my god we can't afford to lose tonight it's more like oh let's go to the game for a bit and then just leave when we're ready and that that is where i think europe is different that people turn up to those games and it means something and the players give everything and the coaches are insane as well so uh you know there's just a different energy which i think does compensate for the fact that of course the players while they're an incredibly high standard it's the second best league in the world it's never going to be a, a stronger lead league in terms of skill level than the nba but that's fine it's not trying to it's just what it is though is a different fan experience how many games are in the regular season in the euro league so it's i believe it's uh i believe it's 38 right so they have their they have their euro league but then they also have their domestic league as well so it's like the champions league of soccer the euro league is like the champions league of soccer so you know Mm -hmm. you have your your you know inter-country league but then you also have the Champions League, basically, which goes out uh, and competes. And then they have the playoffs. The, the top eight teams play off in a best-of-five format. And then the winners of those uh, playoffs go to, the, you know, like this year it's going to be in Berlin, the Final Four, and they have a Final Four, and it's, uh, and it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it was in Lithuania last year, and it was just wild. I'd love to be able to experience that once too. I was really hoping they'd have that here in Portugal. I'm like, yes, I'm going to be in Europe. I'm going to be some crazy European basketball games. And then I asked my friends, they're like, nobody cares. Like, nobody goes to those games. Like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah. close, yet so far. But, 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 I mean, you're so close to Madrid and Barcelona and places like that. I mean, um, you know, you, you, can, you can get over there for one of those games. Maybe a derby between one of those, you know, between the, the El Clasico. That would be, that'd be a great experience because last year, Real Madrid, they were down 2-0 at home in their playoff series to Partizan Belgrade. Then there was a suspension, but even still, they came back and won in five. So they had to win two at home and uh, two on the road and then came back to Madrid to win game five. And even in game five, they were down by 15 at, at half time and they came back to one. Then in the uh, final four, they had to beat Barcelona in the semi final. They were down in that game. They came back and won. And then they had to beat Olympiacos in the final. They were also down in that game. Sergio Yule, captain, the 37 year old, hit one basket in the final. And it was the one that won them the championship. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I was fortunate to be there. And I said, man, it, like, how did Madrid even make it to the final four? And then how did they make it to the final? And then how did they win the game? And they're just sort of like, yeah, I don't know. We just kept going. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're right at the All-Star Weekend now. Uh, I know in the past you've shared your opinion about the All-Star Weekend. It's not unlike this, the sentiment you feel over the regular season which these players just don't quite care enough that's been the problem for a long time in the all-star weekend um 
I, at least the Sabrina versus Steph Curry thing is somewhat interesting, and I feel like that'll be the event to watch this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I'm get, excited. Any other thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm excited for that. I think that's a great idea, and I think if this goes well, this could be something they incorporate going forward, where it's like the best WNBA shooter goes against the best, you know, or or a NBA three point shooter. I think why not? But yeah, my my criticism has been of the. Uh, you know, all-star game and the dunk contest, especially. I, I still like the three-point shootout because it hasn't really changed. I still like the competitive nature. I love seeing the guys get into a rhythm and shoot, um, you know, and, and, you know, setting new records. And when a guy hits like 10 in a row, it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a vibe there to that. So I'm fine with the three-point. No one needs the skills competition, but I understand why they keep doing it. Now, the dunk contest, it just frustrates me that it's, you know, these guys who are supremely competitive are afraid of being you know made fun of in the dunk contest that's what it comes down to for me it's like mac mcclung no disrespect his dunks were great last year he's in it again this year but there's a difference if that's jar morant or a zion williamson you know or anthony edwards someone who's like hey man we want to see the best players in the league go in the dunk contest and not avoid it you know one lebron has lebron's going to end his career never being in the three-point shootout never being in the dunk contest you know like that, that shouldn't be the way. He should have gone in at least one of those. He sort of said he was going to, you know, 15 years ago and he never did. So the dunk contest is like, okay, if you're not going to get the big names, I'm not sure you need to keep it up because, again, Mac McClung winning it, it's like great dunks, but it's Mac McClung, you know. Why, why do you think um, Jalen Brown entered this year? Yes, a little surprised, but I'm glad he did um, because, you know, I think he actually is a good dunker and I want to see what he's got. And I, and I would love for him. He's an all-star. He's an all-NBA guy. I think he's actually technically got the biggest contract. Yeah, in, he does. You know, in, in the league, like <laughs> yeah. until until this offseason anyway. But yeah. good on him, you know, and, and maybe he can go in there and say, yeah, man, go and have some fun. Just have some dunks. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, maybe you're going to be memed if you do something silly, whatever. But like, like show the fans that the players care because for all the gimmicks the NBA has tried, you know, which I think were actually fine to try the mixing up the teams and, and, and having the selections at the last minute. I think that's all good and well, but ultimately it doesn't mean anything if the players don't try. That's the only way the game is going to improve is when the players decide to compete and they don't do that. Now, no one's expecting them to go out and, you know, a full court press for the entire game, but just don't have this like walking down where it's like do 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 and then shooting because it's just boring. It's just like watching a practice. So Adam yeah. Silver, you know, you can you can say all right, everyone gets five million dollars or whatever. It doesn't. It makes no difference. Make it a billion dollars. The players are only. It's only going to get competitive when the players try. And and I look at guys like Kevin Durant, who I think he is one of those guys who's unapologetically competitive no matter what. And I I look at someone like him and be like. Man, let Kevin Durant sort of go out there and just cook some blokes because I yeah. think I think that is going to be like, hey man, I thought this was an All Star game and he's out here, you know, doing this. Like, all right, well I'm going to go back at him and then and then and then get a little bit of that competitive juice going because I think that's what it's about. But when you sort of see like eight guys stand off to the side and two guys just go one on one, I'm not sure that that's uh, that's the best thing. Is you, you you want that competitiveness where it's like, hey, there's something on the line here because it's like we're playing for it and you know one of the features i did with rolando blackman back the very first all-star game i saw 87 i mean the the play that he 
uh, took inside where he got fouled and hit the two free throws, four guys from the East jump on him. Isaiah Thomas basically flagrant fouls him <laughs> in an all-star game. And so, but, but talking to those guys about it when I did, you could feel in their voice that they were like, we're not, we're not out there just to, you know, like go through the motions. We're out there to compete and, and play and you get a much better result when that happens. Yeah, I know. I just don't know. Like, you would think that these players who watch basketball, they should be able to look at the game when it's done and say, wow, that was the most boring, shittiest game I've ever seen. Like, everyone, everyone's just doing alley-oops on each other. Yeah. Everyone's just watching the other player, the players play. And then, awesome. and then they added that other um, aspect to the end of the game where, like, you had to score a certain point total. Yeah. And then they were starting to play some defense, like, just the very end of the game. But I don't yeah. know, man. It, it almost feels very difficult to figure out how to make these guys care. Well, and that, and that's the thing is like you can't make them care. They have to take that themselves because again, if you if you're telling me guys who have earned you know four or five hundred million dollars need another incentive, a little bit like the in season tournament, they said, oh man, there's five hundred thousand dollars up for grabs, and I'm like, so many of those guys. LeBron gets paid more than that from Nike each week. I mean, does he yeah, no. is he really like? Well, I'm competing now because there's 500 grand up for up for uh, thing. You know, now not everyone's got the money that he has, but but again, most players in the NBA have got enough where it's like I'm like, what you need you need another five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's after tax you're going to get about three hundred thousand anyway. So, but that's <laughs> that that feeling that it's like you've got to pay me to play when you're already on a massive contract by normal person standards anyway, um, is, is puzzling to me. Yeah, I think maybe maybe the end of the bench players on everyone's team gets the money and that and they're playing for their end of the bench players. I felt like that was part of what made the, the in-season tournament thing interesting. It's like these, these bench warmers making money that literally would like double their yearly salary. Yeah. And, and again, I like the idea from Adam Silver. I, I just would have executed it differently, you know. And, um, I, you know, like I say, it's like this is a chance to do something. If you're going to go and just go and play in Vegas, it's like fine. But why not take this to Europe? Why not do rather than the one Cleveland versus Brooklyn game in Paris, why not make the in-season Final Four, go to Paris and have it over there? So that, again, there's a, there's a different feeling. There's, there's something on the line. Because as I'm sure you know, living there in Europe, if one game comes over, it's in Paris, it's Brooklyn and Cleveland, you're kind of like, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, put something there where the, play, where the you know, European fans are like, oh, man, this is not just a game. There's something on the line here, and the players are going to put in. Yeah. I, it sounds like they're going to have that in Dubai or something like that next year with the in-season tournament, but we'll see. Um, so tell me a little bit then about... Uh, Tell me a little bit about your being on the the show with Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson just now, and also just I was also curious the fact that you've had all these interactions with all these NBA like legends. Do you still get like the butterflies in your stomach, or is it now like kind of common for you? You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, like it's always exciting because you know this is uh, when I think about twelve year old me growing up in Australia. Like, I wouldn't have I would have killed for that sort of access. I mean. If I could have interviewed Isaiah Thomas as a 12-year-old when the Pistons won the championship, I mean, that would have been, you know, amazing. But I also think that being a fan for that long and loving the game for, for so long from afar, it almost prepared me for these moments, you know, where I'm not afraid 
to sit next to Charles Barkley because it's like, Charles, I can tell you everything about your career if you want, right? If you want to <laughs> go through it season by season, I can tell you about that. You know, so I think it's almost like studying for an exam. You know, if you've done the work and you've done the preparation, you don't feel nervous because it's like, well, I know I can talk to Charles about anything about his career because I, I witnessed so much of it unfold, even again from afar. But I read Hoop Magazine, and I read Basketball Digest, and I saw I saw him interviewed, and I, you know, I followed it so closely. So, you know, you may have seen on that on that interview, I asked him about the '87 All Star Game, his first one, and he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I never forget." And then I said, oh, "I remember what happened." He goes, "No," <laughs> I'm like, "Well, okay, I can tell you what happened." Um, <laughs> So it's the same. I mean, you know, I'm not an analyst anymore where I'm, I'm sitting down watching games and then trying to, you know, break them down like that. But as far as a basketball fan, I'm still just as much a fan as I, I ever have been. And so the way that I consume the game and the way that I, you know, see the players, it's, it's, it's a different approach I take now where I'm trying to sort of get some story time out of them and get some different angles and things because those questions after a game for the most part, you know, oh man, you guys lost tonight, what happened? Well, we didn't rebound, too many turnovers, we missed some shots we normally make. There's not much meat on that bone, so I'm trying to find different things to talk about so that you can get different reactions and different emotions and, and that's what I'm finding. So I um, I mean, I think the funniest thing is when I look at Luka Doncic, for example, when I, when I spoke to him, he's 20, I guess he's 24, 23, 24, something like that. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm so much older than him, but it still feels like he's older than me because he's, <laughs> you know, it, like it feels like I'm still that kid and I'm, you know, looking up to these NBA players um, because it, I don't feel that I've changed from when I was when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old, just like loving the game and, and loving watching these guys play. And so it, it's a funny feeling to look at them and be like, I could easily be this guy's dad, but I'm still kind of like, oh man, he's, you know, he, he's doing what I wanted to do. You know, he's made it in the NBA and he's living that part of his life that I always dreamed of. But, you know, now I'm doing it in my own way and I'm finding it very, very fulfilling. Yeah, that's awesome. So Lee, so something that we talk about every week here is we talk about NBA Top Shot. I know that I, I know that you have some awareness of NBA Top yes. Shot. I think you ripped some packs with, uh, with the guys over there. Um, yes. What if you could create a, a top shot moment from either one of your favorite moments as a viewer, a spectator, or as a player? What 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 are some moments that you would want to commemorate forever in a in a digital collectible? Wow, that's a great question. Um, now you can go back any era at any time. Is that right? Sure. It's just yeah. moments that mean a lot to you. Yeah. Well. Um... I guess okay. One one that really stands out. One of the first playoff series I watched was um, the nineteen eighty nine playoffs between uh, the Golden State Warriors and the Utah Jazz. Warriors were number seven, the Jazz were number two, and the Jazz had had a really good playoff run the year before. They took the Lakers, who went on to win the championship, to seven games, and it was like, well, now they were the number two seed. It's like the the, the Jazz were expected to go far. But the Warriors ended up sweeping them, winning the first two in Utah, and then they swept them in game three. And there's a moment where the Warriors are leading, and then the Jazz go on this big run late, and Manute Bowl's playing. And Manute Bowl was shooting three-pointers, you know, back then. And I still remember the commentary was, um, is, uh, 
it was Steve Jones and uh, Skip Carey, I think his name was. And anyway, so the Warriors need a basket badly, and Manute's missed like five three pointers, and he picks one up, you know, and he, and he's you know he's not like got a beautiful Larry Bird style shot. He's he, he sort of like heaves it at the rim, and it swishes, and it just kind of breaks the ice, and the Warriors you know got that basket they need, and they go on to win the game. And I can hear no, it's Pete Van Weeren was the commentator, and I can hear his voice like Manute Ball, the only man in the league who shoots those threes downhill. And it was just such a cool, <laughs> it was such a cool moment because it was slightly it was the year before the run TMC started. Um, so it was Chris Mullen, Mitch Richmond, Winston Garland, Larry Smith, Rod Higgins, and then Manute coming off the bench and hitting the three. And so, you know, moments like that again they they stay with me. Oh man, how did you find this? <laughs> I just was that's amazing. googling while you were talking. <laughs> oh my god, that's it. That's the three. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the most replayed moment. Wow. Yeah. And that's it. And and uh, you can see the crowd erupting there because, it, it, you know, it is late. And then Pete Van Weeren is like, I can't believe you found that so quickly, man. That's that's amazing. <laughs> well, um, no one, no one, not a cell phone yeah. in sight in that crowd. And there you go. There you go. So you can see there was, it was like a six point. Uh, no, it must have been a, a what was that? Oh, yeah. Six point game. And he took it out to three. And now you see a big sweaty. Like you'll see, uh, there he is. Yeah, the big sweaty uh, close up. <laughs> and uh, Pete Van Rieren, yeah, the only man who shoots those threes downhill. I'll probably say it right now. The only man that shoots those three point shots downhill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, man. Man. That, that's amazing. That is truly amazing. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, things like that, that just, again, when, when, when you grow up in Australia, and this is before the internet and cable TV, where we had no access to get, you know, league pass or, or things like that. I mean, I probably watched that game, you know, probably six weeks or even longer after it happened, just because of that's, that's how long it took to get the things back then. But I watched that game over and over and over again, because Chris Mullen... You know, he 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 was a um, fairly high draft pick. I can't remember exactly out of St. John's, but he had some alcohol problems in his first couple of years, and I think the Warriors almost traded him. But then he, I think that was the first year he was really sober, and he was incredible. And and you, some of the shots he makes in that game, he, he's not athletic, he's not fast, you know, but he's he's just got that way of like you know flipping the ball up and hitting these uh, crazy jump shots. And they upset, as I say, the huge favourite, Carl Malone and John Stockton and the Jazz there. And, uh, you know, it's, so those sorts of moments are just sort of tattooed on my memory because I remember watching that game over and over and over again. And, um, you know, it, to relive it right now spontaneously is, is amazing. I think, it's, I, think, I think that would be a great Top Shot moment. <laughs> All right, good. And actually, Steve, who's another fellow Australian who works over there at Dapper Labs, he asked a question on the Twitter thread, one of the questions, which was, who's your favorite Australian player right now? Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's Paddy or Joe, really, I, I think. I mean, what those two guys have meant to Australian basketball, men's basketball, has been incredible. You know, Paddy scoring the 42 points in Tokyo to win the bronze medal um you know incredible really really good stuff and joe ingles i mean uh, you know speaking of sort of chris mullen not being super athletic and not being super fast joe ingles you know doesn't look like that either but he goes out there and he was really really good 
for the Utah Jazz during that those um, you know those playoff runs and uh, you know it's good to see because those guys have meant so much to Australian basketball over the years and, and whenever they put on that green and gold jersey you know Andrew Bogut, Della Vadova, Aaron Baines all these guys whenever they've put on the uh, the green and gold have raised their level of play and I think that's something that as a kid growing up there that's what we always prided ourselves on is like you know you, you might be uh, opponents in the league but once you put on that Australian jersey everyone just comes together and plays their best for their country and uh and it's amazing. So I was so glad that those two guys got to celebrate a, a bronze medal because Australia had finished fourth, I think, four other Olympics and had not been able to break through and win that bronze medal. And finally we did. And, uh, you know, gold's obviously the goal. But, again, you've got to sort of you've got to accept where you are as well. That, like, I don't think gold was realistically in Australia's reach. But a bronze was because you win the bronze. You don't you don't lose gold to get silver. You win the bronze medal, and uh, you know that that to me was a really special moment to see Australia uh, in Tokyo there in twenty twenty one. That's awesome. Were, were you there or, or you no, were you watching? Because it was thing? the co- it was the COVID Olympics. Oh, remember? Of course. So I, as far as I can remember, it was either very limited um, fan support or almost none. I think I think they actually I think they actually said no to fans if I remember mm. correctly. And I was really happy, by the way, to learn, I Googled it before the show, that Aaron Baines is actually playing basketball. I wasn't sure. I remember he had that freak accident with yes. like the hook on the wall or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a nasty. Yeah, but he is back uh, playing down in Australia. I can't remember who he's playing for, but um, I know he's back there playing. Is it Brisbane? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it is. Brisbane Bullets. Yeah. Good stuff. Another ex-Celtic. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, I guess that's all I got, Lee. Um, if the people want to follow your escapades, uh, so your next escapade is to Brazil. Is that right? You're going to that's play in right. Rio? I'll, I'll be in Sao Paulo and Rio, yeah, in about a month. Uh, that's going to be unreal for number 20. So uh, very excited about that. Um, talking with the guys, we, we're sort of uh, finalizing the details of exactly what's happening. I'll have more information probably probably not for another week or so here still but um yeah very excited for the potential of what's going to happen down there i've been to brazil once before and uh and you know it like it's it's an amazing place and uh there'll be some pretty interesting food to be eaten down there and um really Where, where's your wife from she's from the northeast so oh, it's a, Fort a Laser called, or somewhere like that right i think below it she's in right. from a called maceo which is has a lot of beach area a lot of yeah. a lot of from other parts of Brazil, like to go there to spend time at the beach. Yeah, so, yeah. Whenever we go to Brazil, there's a lot of sunburns, but a lot of uh, good, good uh, food too. Really good food. as well on the beach. Sometimes, yeah. The yeah. I like I like the I actually kind of like the vodka alternative, which is called a caipirosca, and they right. do it with um, you can do it with different fruit. So you can do it with like passion fruit. So passion right. fruit one, or yeah, there's good stuff. You can you can do pretty well there with the drinking and eating. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Oh, the, uh, what, what's that? Churrascaria? Uh, uh, how do you say that? Churrascaria. Yeah. Churrascaria. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, going back to where we started here, like, I don't know if I can go into one of those anymore with all the meat. Um, I, know. I don't know what you're going to be eating. You're eating like the pineapples. I don't know what you're going to eat. Well, last time I was there, I was 23. So I was eating just meat nonstop. But like I say, now I just don't think the digestion can handle such a, uh, a binge <laughs> of beef and, and, uh, and meat. 
Yeah, you don't want the bubble guts while you're trying to oh, play basketball. No, no. Um, all right. Well, so the people can find you. I know uh, you, they just look for your name, Lee Ellis, on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. Yep. Where, where are you most active? Yeah, probably Instagram. Instagram, Instagram and TikTok these days. Uh, okay. I, don't, I, I think I'm Lee Ellis 76 on TikTok, I think. Same on YouTube. Um, but yeah, definitely Lee Ellis, just L-E-I-G-H-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram and Twitter. Although Twitter's, you know, whatever these days, it's... Um, it's more Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube because, you know, I'm putting up videos as well. Right, right. Well, Elon Musk says that you should put videos out on Twitter too. So, um, And I know there was one other comment. Of, uh, Bob DeWine was asking, are you going to go play in Amsterdam or in Holland? So well, Holland. Uh, yes. I mean, that. Oh, yes, I definitely want to be there in the summer. I, I was talking to someone a while ago that hasn't sort of uh, picked up because of my focus has been on, on uh, Brazil here, but definitely Amsterdam. Um, is, is super high on the list. I mean, everywhere is ev everywhere is like I want to go to, but uh, Amsterdam, Amsterdam and Barcelona, are probably my two favorite cities in the whole world. So, uh, but who knows? Er, yeah, I'll be there at some point anyway. Even if it's not this year, I'll be I'll, I'll be back. Hopefully, if I get a uh, a streaming deal, I'll be able to go everywhere and anywhere. Yeah, well, we hope so too. Um, Bob Wines is waiting for the call. Um, but anyway, Lee, thank you so much for making the time. I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed our chat. I feel like I'm going to be able to clip some parts of our of the earlier part of this conversation, give it to my six year old boy when he gets a little older and he has to learn about trying and trying again. So it's all, all, it, is. <laughs> all it is. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, thank you, Lee. Um, go enjoy the rest of your day and I wish you the best. And, and I look forward to seeing what you do in Brazil. Obrigado. Okay. All right, guys. Until the next one. Ciao. Static Selector.